This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of the Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 go. Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall23, there. Chris Tannehill is there at Chris Tannehill. And our show is called Locked on Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you go and subscribe, maybe you can be a recipient of a Locked on Socks t-shirt. 312-566-8727 is the number for to leave a voicemail. I think we got one from Uncle Pete the other day. It was weird. Oh, that's right. Maybe we'll get to that today. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. He he went rogue and he sent it in his own special way. Like he didn't. He called like you know from a burner phone and you know Star sixty seven and all that stuff. But he wanted to be secretive about it, which is fine. Uh, you know he didn't want to reveal his identity. But yeah, we'll get to Uncle Pete's uh, first voicemail later on in the show. Thank you for the reminder. I'm looking forward to hearing that myself. That's the show yeah. within the show that entertains me. Yeah, and if you want to go old school like Uncle Pete used to do, locked on socks at gmail.com. But with any without any further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how's your evening? Oh, it's a fine evening so far. White Sox losers today. Bad. Four to do. Uh, sorry, losers yesterday. Four to two to Cleveland. They uh, settle for a split. And surprise, surprise, they have the no hitter hangover. You know, it did not catapult them into a, a a three out of four game series victory over the Indians. And you know, we we were at work when this game was going down. We're not going to talk a, a ton about the results of this game. There are some interesting things that came out of it. Uh, but we'll we'll preview the Boston series, which will be a big one, and we'll talk about some of the big picture offensive issues that this team is encountering right now. But uh, yesterday, you know, Aaron Savali was real good. You know, the, the Indians, they just they grow these guys on trees, these right-handed pitchers that just come out and dominate. You know, Aaron Savali threw the kitchen sink uh, at the White Sox yesterday, threw five pitches, a four-seam fastball, change-up, curveball, slider, and even mixed in uh, a cutter in there as well. And he threw six innings, giving up just five hits, one run, it was earned, striking out four. Uh, but he was just real good, and he, uh, you know, again, the problem's having a trouble here with a right-handed starter, but he was pretty good yesterday, Herb. Really good, and um, you tend to forget about him because, like you said, they produce so many good right-handers. They can even give away ones like Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger, who weren't originally drafted by them, but they developed those guys into the pitchers that they currently are. So, yeah, it's – it's a nice thing they have going there in Cleveland. And Savali, yeah, falls under the radar, but he is just as filthy, maybe even better than Plesak was offering the other day. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what's up with the White Sox in this particular point, but I think that something happened in the first inning that 
sparked the Indians and made the White Sox come back to earth. All right, so that thing you're talking about is the the altercation, the uh, the brouhaha, the benches clearing at second base, correct, with Adam Eaton. Uh, yep. Why don't you whiteboard that? You know, I still haven't got a chance to take a real solid look at it, and, you know, that, shame on me for that one. But um, dirty play or no dirty play? Was it just one of the things that was sort of unnecessary? Do you think it was a misunderstanding? What happened there on that play with Adam Eaton at second? Okay, so Adam Eaton, uh, there's Tim Anderson on first base. He gets a solid single to start the game off. Um, Adam Eaton hits the ball to right field. Tim kind of deeks because he knows he can make it to third base because he knows Naylor doesn't have plus-plus arm. He has a nice arm, but Tim knows his speed is good, and so he kind of deeks um, Naylor, so he induces the throw to third. Smartly, Adam Eaton comes right behind and tries to get to second. The throw from the third baseman to the second baseman, I think it was either, uh, no, it was Jimenez, the shortstop who was covering second, is right there. Adam beats the throw. His hand is on the base. But Jimenez, as any good uh, middle infielder does, has his knee kind of blocking the base. And it's like on the ground kind of awkwardly. And so Adam slides his arm over his knee. And so when Jimenez raises up, he also raises up Adam Eaton's arm. So Eaton's off the bag and he tags him up and then Eaton like throws his uh, leg, him and his leg off of his arm. And when he gets up, he starts yelling at the umpire. I think he was the ch- crew chief. He's like, hey, man, he just picked me up and he threw me off the bag. And the umpire's like, no, it was just a hard, aggressive tag. That's all it was. And you're out. And then he just pushes a little light shove. It wasn't like, you know, hey, what's fight shove? It was like, hey, get off of me type of thing to Jimenez and I was like all right it's on and then Hernandez comes over it's like hey man calm down what the hell are you doing and he shows Hernandez too and that's how the <laughs> brouhaha started right there Adam was totally in the wrong in regards to pushing those guys but he was totally in the right for yelling at the umpire to not see that Jimenez did something untoward it's a smart clever play but on the um, like it's not dirty but it's not good it's not like within the rules so he should have been safe but he went off and lost his his cool and his composure and pushed a couple indians and that pretty much put problem together that would have been second and third no one out with jose abreu coming up so that was a ruined opportunity i think they got to run anyways when uh yoan mancada got a single later but the inning was kind of ruined right there because you would have had that second and third opportunity with your best hitters coming up and putting Cleveland down early. Yeah, it was good for Moncada to come through in that situation there and get their run on the uh, on the board early, especially when you have Lance Lynn going out for you today. And Lance Lynn was out there doing Lance Lynn things once again. He was Tonka Truck, as he always is, and I have total faith in him whenever he's out there. Um, you know, he, su- he surrendered some hard contact, but overall, six innings pitched, uh, five hits, two runs, both of them earn 10 strikeouts again uh, and given up the big home run to Jose Ramirez, who uh, we had a, an astute listener of the show point out, oh, you guys called it, and I'm certainly not going to sit here and take a victory lap because we predicted a Jose Ramirez home run against the White Sox. You know what I mean? Like That was something mm-hmm. that we thought was, you know, it was inevitable, and I, and I told you at the time after he hit that home run, 
But, you know, I said, if you get out of this series, this four-game set, and that's all Jose Ramirez does to you, consider yourself lucky, and you got off easy, I think, you know. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's one of the guys in the lineup. You can't let him beat you, but, Lynn, you know, in late in that game, he gets paid to get that guy out. Jose Ramirez gets paid to hit that home run. So it was it was a good battle right there, but ultimately, what are you going to do? It's one of the best hitters in the American League, and it's uh, enough to propel the Indians to the victory. Yeah, and – for the White Sox, him giving up that home run shouldn't lost you the game. Four runs is not enough to score to beat the White Sox. It should not be at any game because the offense without Eloy still should be at least minimum four runs. So, yeah, you're going to give up a home run to one of the best hitters in the game, Jose Ramirez. You tipped the cap. It was a 3-2 pitch, and he got it. He saw it and, bit and hit it. So what can you do? Let's but, but Lance Lynn was awesome. Like the whole game, he was awesome. I know he picks up the loss in this game, but I'll take that effort every single time. Give me that every single time, Lance, and we'll win more games than we lose. Much more. Absolutely. And he's kind of a calming force out there on, on and off the field. And I'm going to get to something that he said after the game in terms of how we should view this White Sox team in just a bit. But let's talk about some good things that happened today. T.A. was back on Jackie Robinson Day. How appropriate. He was sporting the very, very dope custom Jackie Robinson 42 cleats. They were Ken Griffey Jr. You guys remember the, the old Griffey Jr. Air Max that he used to rock, but these were all black. Instead of 24 for Griffey, it was 42 for Jackie Robinson. Looking good out there, and uh, Tim managed to get himself a couple of hits. You know, he just comes off the IL and just starts raking immediately. That, above all, is going to do wonders for this White Sox offense, and it was good to see him back out there. Yeah, and Tim is the table setter. We saw it last year. We saw it all the year before. Tim is the guy who stirs the drink and immediately started the game off with a rocket single up the center field, goes first to third on that Adam Eaton single. Um, Yeah, you just start the offense when that guy's out there, and it settles the rest of the lineup up. So you don't have Luis Robert hitting second, which I think is a mistake. I think he is not a two-hitter. He was probably perfectly placed, I think, in the, what, six-hole today. Uh, no, seven-hole. I would rather him be in the six-hole, but uh, I'm not qualming with Adam Eaton now being the two-hole hitter. He's doing a good job as a two-hole guy. He's getting on base. He's showing a little pop. But I would think if the lineup is at its premium, you put Yohan Mancata back there as two, and then you have the eight-nine guys being Adam Eaton and Nick Magical turning that lineup over so you can have all that speed from Eaton to Magical to Anderson and then go back up to Yohan Mankata. I think that's how you optimize this lineup. But um, as far as Tim coming back, I think it stretches out where um, where you can not have these bums out here getting <laughs> mad tick. You saw, they're like, oh, yeah, you hit fifth the other day. But, Nick, it's been real. See you later, Deuces. Nick Williams. There's, a, there's the door right there. And it's the White Sox thing. They do that every every other year. Like AJ Reed was hitting fourth and got DFA'd like the next day. Five out of six starts last year for Nicky Delmonico did not finish with the team. Those type of things always happen to what the White Sox early in the season. Like these games don't count. Like stop trying out bums and giving them mad tick. It's uh, infuriating. I don't know who's going to be next year. Probably going to bring back some bum that we had a couple of years. Not bum. I, and when I say bum, guys, the guys are already in the major leagues, so they're pretty good. But I'm just saying it as a, they're not major league hitters. So Daniel Palco will come back and be in the White Sox lineup for some reason. 
Um, in, in regards to Nick Williams, you know, we, we will probably see him again as much as I would like to say we're done with that experiment. But I wonder how much of it. How will we see him again when somebody's going to pick him up immediately? Do you think that that's going to happen, though? Do you think he'll get picked no. up immediately? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no. thank you. All right. Um, I missed your, your, uh, your, your wry humor there. But, you know, I think sometimes, you know, certainly I cannot justify Tony La Russa batting him fifth and running him out there in the 10th inning the other night. But I think. You, Tony was belt, uh, you know, dealt a, not the greatest hand with the injuries here, and he 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 went with the major leaguer. I was talking about this with Matt Spiegel. Tony loves the concept of a guy who's a big leaguer. Like this guy's a big leaguer, and he's played before, so I know I can count on him, and he's not going to lose me a game in the field, and he'll maybe give me a competent at bat every now and then and, and run into one. But I think a lot of this was a professional courtesy because Tony knew that once. T.A. was coming back. Someone was going to have to go, and I think he knew that was going to be Nick Williams. So I don't know if this is just like a, a courtesy thing to do for someone as a professional. So like, hey, I'm going to get you some at-bats, get you some playing time, get you on tape so guys and other teams can see you and see that you know you can still go out there and be a warm body. I don't know. I don't want you know certainly don't want to talk about it all episode, but I'm wondering if that factors into it. Just a lot of things that Tony Larusa seems to to do in terms of his decision making is based on you know. Uh, rank and file like precedent you know being a big leaguer and just you know just that whole thing that comes along with it so i don't know it, it could just be a, a you know, crackpot theory but you know luis robert today got himself a couple of hits and what i really like is he's starting to snap out of it a little bit slowly but surely and i think the key to him getting out of this little slump and he's i think he's changed his approach a little bit it seems like He's going to the opposite field a lot more lately, and he's he's taking those pitches that are low and away. They're not giving him anything to hit on the inside part of the plate that he can turn on, but they're still going outside with sliders, with fastballs, like on, on lower half uh, on the outside edge, and he's taking those pitches, and he's serving them to the opposite field, and I think that's a really encouraging sign, and I think that's where right where he should be in terms of his development, and uh, I'm excited for him to start you know reaping the fruits of that because eventually they're going to stop pitching him out there and they they may go back inside and make a mistake and he can we all know what he can do with those pitches yeah like you said it's it's a maturity it's a growth that he's showing and that triple he hit i mean i think more it was uh, josh naylor's thing but he hit it with some velocity he hit it pretty authoritatively it's good to see him finally just understanding what pitchers are trying to do to him and like you said too once they realize, okay, the guy's out there and he's going in and getting these outside pitches, we got to get him outside, inside now. <laughs> Not in the. I don't know why they pitch him in the zone. Like, yeah, why I would do you never pitch him in the zone. Yeah, <laughs> at all. Like you see him flailing at balls that are way out of the zone, up above the zone, low in the in the zone. Like there was one today that was bounced in front of the plate and in the left-handed batter's box, and he like halfway check swinged on it. I was like really word come on man <laughs> like you were thinking about that one too you know that's kind of good because sometimes he will swing at those uh balls so the little uh, uh self check right there for himself that's awesome but i just need for him to just relax I understand that he has a bunch of talent inside of him he doesn't need to rush it he doesn't need to uh, force the issue let them come to him let the balls come to him and he has enough strength and enough bat speed and hand power to get through the zone quickly on any fastball. So I think once he just calms down and gets a little bit more understanding of what pitchers are doing to him, 
the sky's the limit. And I want him or somebody, Frank Minakino, huh? Hey. Tell him this. Like if, if it needs to be said in his own language to understand, like you are a talented dude. You don't need to swing hard for the ball to go far. You don't need to swing early for the ball to go far. Let the ball come to you. Let it get inside. Sometimes hit it ball, the ball like he did today, opposite field, where Josh Naylor uh, misplayed that one. And let the people make mistakes on you, and then you can run the bases. This is his first triple in his career, which is amazing to me. We'll take a quick time out, and on the other side, we'll talk about Andrew Vaughn's interesting day and his future. And why, if you're freaking out about his slow start, you shouldn't be. Next on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our new friends, a new sponsor. Welcome on into the show, 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by the 10 most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life, and she deserves it, doesn't she, folks? They're available now through Mother's Day only, only at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and they're fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. I'm on BlueNile.com right now, and one design that stuck out to me is number five, Lola Fenhurst. This designer out of Paris has crafted a quiet yet luxurious ring with beautiful ascending beads, which is a good metaphor for a union. You can purchase that ring at the 10x10 collection now at BlueNile.com. That's the number five, Lola Fenhurst out of Paris. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Another good thing today that we saw, you know, Andrew Vaughn going over 4 is obviously not good, but he was out there in left field, and we talked about his defense yesterday, and it was, it was a critical part of Carlos Rodon's no-hitter. But if you missed that catch yesterday, uh, you know, he went back on the wall and made a great catch, uh, Andrew Vaughn did, uh, to help Lance Lynn out early on in that ballgame. Tag to left. Vaughn at the wall. Makes the catch! Beautiful play by Andrew Vaughn. Mercy! In left field. Under the circumstances, one of the greatest catches I have ever seen in 50 years in this game. I think that's an exaggeration uh, by Hawk there. I, it was a fine catch. Uh, I think maybe, you know, he had a little more room, didn't have to leap at it so much. But, yeah, it was, it was a fine catch. But, dude... Like I said yesterday, you, know, you 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 threw me some props on Twitter today, mentioning me calling Andrew Vaughn a baseball player, which is really going out on a limb. But he's he's every test so far, he's managed to not make himself look ridiculous. He's managed not to get himself hurt or anyone else hurt, and it makes me think of like the big picture and how he's going to fit out there. Obviously, he's got a hit, but I'm wondering once Eloy comes back, if you can have a lineup where Andrew Vaughn's out there and left and you could feel okay about it and you have plenty of time to work on that and Eloy's going to be the DH, I like that. That's pretty good. That's something that can work, and it's something that I wasn't sure was going to work, but you never know what someone's capable of until you put them in that position, and I, and I think it's going to work. Me too. The guy is more than just capable. He looks like a good left fielder, like he understands where the ball is supposed to be hit, 
like the sound off the bat and where it's supposed to go, the curve that a left-hander has and the it's going to go more towards the, the line than in the gap. He understands all these things, just good baseball IQ and what he lacks in athleticism. And I think that is also that white guy thing where they see a guy that doesn't have great speed and it's like, oh, he's not athletic. I think he's athletic enough. That play right there was very athletic to read that ball, jump up at the right time, find the wall and then throw the ball back in very athletic. And I think, you know, like anybody gets that pigeonholed, oh man, he's a white dude. So he's not athletic. He's plenty athletic and he can field his left field perfectly. I think he's made better plays than Eloy's ever made in left field ever. Well, he's going to get a big test this weekend at Fenway Park, and we'll talk about that uh, at the end of the show here. I'm curious to see. Will how- he, though? What? Oh, yeah. Well, Nick Williams is gone, so yeah, he killed. <laughs> yeah, he'll be out there. Um, you know, and that will, well, it'll be curious to see how he plays that green monster out there. But uh, real quick here, before we get to your voicemails in the next segment here, Lance Lynn was asked uh, about the sort of the state of the team here, you know, and the Sox against righties has not been good. As a matter of fact, they rank 17th in all of baseball. Here's their slash line for the White Sox against right-handed pitching. Hitting just 217 with an on-base of 332, slugging 342, mm. good for a 674 OPS. We you know, we know they crush lefties until they don't, until they, you know, Mike Miner's out there, but I don't know how you solve this thing. I don't know how you inject left-handed power into this lineup unless you know Zach Collins is going to play every day can Zach Collins play left field we need someone that's going to push Andrew Vaughn out of the picture you're playing too competently out there and left we need to get you out of here son I don't yeah, know I, I don't know what, what you, you do just said about when Eloy comes back and he's a DH it's like what about my man you're mean let's go <laughs> I think as I said last night good problems but also bad problems because you're gonna have to have one of these guys sit out a night because there's no more room for anybody else I mean, unless you're trading Adam Eaton somewhere else, and I think you can get a competent right field, even though he doesn't have the arm from uh, for uh, Andrew Vaughn. Ugh, this is good problems to have, but also uh, I don't want to have to go through all my guys. Like, I love Aloy, and I love Yermin, and Andrew Vaughn is slowly gutting up there. So if somebody had to lose, it'll be that kid, but I'll be a hypocrite if not getting him all the at-bats that he needs and giving those at-bats over your mean because while I love your mean they see Andrew Vaughn as more of the long-term answer don't you wouldn't you think that I, I yeah unless you know this unless he shows you a lot this season where it's all of a sudden you have to reevaluate everything you know because I don't I don't see when I, when I look at your mean and his, his you know professional at bats the pop like it's not just these are not flukes these are not you know wall scrapers that he's sitting out there he's hitting bombs out to the left field concourse so when I look at him I'm and I'm Rick Hahn, I'd be like ooh we got to find a way to make this work or at least trade him when his value is at its highest. Like, I would maybe entertain that a little bit because I don't know where his long-term future is, like you said. You know, I, in, with the Andrew Vaughn thing, you know, we haven't seen your mean much with the glove yet, so we don't know what we're getting there. But I, you're right. I just I don't know where he fits in this puzzle piece going forward when you have the glut of, of Andrew Vaughn and, and Pito still has uh, some good years left in him and he's going to be here for a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know what you do there, and especially with Eloy coming back. That's 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 a good point. What would How would you do it? Like, would you – 
would you dare say trade your mean here like to try to get some maybe some left-handed pop or get some I don't know what what else you need on this team now this bullpen may be a little gassed by their usage rate early on here but you know what would you do with with your mean big picture I would keep him on the team and press him as far as he can go I know they didn't think he was going to be this and I didn't think he was going to be this but I knew he was going to be a major league hitter maybe not 300, probably like in the 280s, is going to hit a couple home runs. Is going to be a really good hitter coming off the bench because I thought that they were going to get a professional designated hitter. So if they really think this is an anomaly and that what your mean is is more of a 265, 320 guy, yeah, trade him immediately. Trade him. And I'll be hurt and I'll be crushed. But if you got Aloy coming back, the spot I want Aloy to be in is designated hitter for multiple reasons. The main one is so he can stay healthy. And unless you're trading Adam Eaton, which would be my next choice to do and moving either, either no, not moving Aloy there. So then the last thing I would want would be Aloy back in left field and then right field for Andrew Vaughn. And then you still have your mean as the designated hitter. It wouldn't be ideal for me because you're having a lot of people out there that can't field their positions. Yeah, which your offense you can, would be awesome, yeah. and you can then solve your offseason thing. Um, you solve your thing in the offseason because I just don't want to give up any of the guys. And if I had to, it would be Andrew Vaughn, but he has no value. Yeah, I mean, not low, no right, value, but right now, low. yeah, right now, like, yeah, we, you would be doing a disservice trying to get rid of him now, you know. Um, but okay, so I've stayed of the team here. You know the, the White Sox still can't get over that that 500 hump, and you know can't get a surpass 500. You know the way they're sitting now, I'm not too concerned right now. That sometimes teams kind of just weather the storm here in the early going, and they're they're trying to get their bearings. And Lance Lynn kind of spoke to that um, in his post game yesterday, and here's what he had to say on when he thinks a team tends to hit their stride, and when can you tell a team is going to be who they are. I would say, I mean, you're looking at mid-May, June, when guys are really starting to, you know, hit their stride and do things like that. Right now, you know, everybody's kind of feeling it out, doing the thing. Um, you know, we're right just below 500, but we've got the talent to, uh, you know, make a run at this thing. But we just got to kind of, you know, stay steady here and and make sure it doesn't get too far away while we find our footing. Um, and we're we're you know we're we're in ball games. We're just uh, we got to learn to win them and make sure we run away with them. Yeah, that's exactly how I see this team right now. That was very well said by Lance Lynn, who's seen a lot of teams over the years. And that's what I see when I see this team. I I see a team that their best players, most of them are not hitting yet. A lot of them are pressing. The defense has been cleaned up a bit. You know, despite the two errors from Abreu on the one play today, I would say the def- defense has gotten better. It will, you know, get better, stabilize with TA out there every day. So, I, I, you know, I just think it, it's a team that needs to do better hitting. And you know, I hate people. You know, people don't like the word clutch, but what I mean, situational hitting, and you know, knowing when they need to get those runners in from score. You know, it's from scoring position. Like you know, get the little things to do to win a ball game. The Indians did that yesterday. And you know they they were able to do that in the extra inning game when when Bieber threw. So you know the White Sox still need to work on that a lot as a team because they they pummeled the Tigers and the Royals last year. They didn't have to do a lot of fundamental you know 
situational hitting and, and working on execution. Like they just relied on their power bats, which is fine because that'll carry you through a lot of the time. But I think the difference you're seeing in with this team this year is they're not executing in the moments where they have to at the most because they're playing on a razor thin margin for error here. And now you know with the bullpen getting used a lot, like it's really important that they're able to get these runners in whenever those situations are presented to themselves. How do you see this team so far in this uh, two week sample size here? Yeah, speak to what you just said right there. We had a leadoff triple. We talked about our already. Luis Robert, leadoff triple in the ninth. And the next batter was Andrew Vaughn. Struck out poorly. The ball was in the left-handed batter's box, and he struck out poorly. And then Tony does a curious move for me. You have a guy in Nick Magical coming up. Who Look at you, you know. Nick Magical stand number one. Slap A. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what he does. What yes. the thing he does the best is contact. And it's a four to one game. So you're just looking for contact. That's all you're looking for. And Nick Magical is pinch hit for Jake Goddamn Lamb. It's like <laughs> like you said. Is that going, gonna be that. his player his players weekend nickname on the back of his jersey? Jake Goddamn Lamb, yes. <laughs> And so he wants that, oh, I saw him in Arizona. Oh, he was great in Arizona 2017. That guy. And he's a Major League Baseball player, like you said earlier. He's a gamer. He's a rank and file. Nick Madrigal is a rookie. I don't care about that garbage. No, he should be batting for multiple reasons. One is because he's goddamn better than Jake Lamb. And second, he can put the bat onto the ball. He's only struck out, I think, once this year. He's got your highest batting average on your team after your mean at 282. And say what you want about a batting average, but you know what's this is what we have to work with here. The team's so, not exactly lighting it up right now. So just say he gets out. You're four to two then. And then you still have Tim Anderson coming up to bat. And if he gets on like he did, they called it an air. You have the tying run coming to the plate like Adam Eaton did, and he popped up. But you at least have the runner getting in before you get two outs. And it's much more valuable there. Um, and then you feel a little bit better about yourself, and you executed the plan that you're supposed to because Vaughn struck out. And this is the growing pains of youngsters. He'll know, he'll know that he needs to shorten his swing and do whatever he needs to do to get Luis Robert in from third base with zero outs and less than two outs. So that was a failure, but Tony did not put his team in the best place to win because his process was fucked up and keeping Nick magical in there. As you know, me, I am not a Nick magical guy, but the one thing he could do is put bat on ball. Tony messed up. Uh, I do want to point out something interesting. I saw today before we take a quick time out and get to a couple of voicemails here. Uh, at everything underscore socks on Twitter, I saw this in my timeline. James Fox retweeted it. In terms of the Andrew Vaughn thing, you know, if there's any freak out for Andrew Vaughn, I don't think there is, nor should there be. But there was an interesting comparison here with Eloy Jimenez's first 30 plate appearances, and now Andrew Vaughn, he will surpass 30 plate appearances. Hopefully, by the end of tonight, he's got 28 as we record here on uh, Thursday evening. So through the first 30 plate appearances of their career, Eloy versus Vaughn, okay. WRC plus, Eloy 52, Vaughn 74. Wow. Walk percentage, Eloy 3.3%, <laughs> Vaughn 17.9%. Edge Pretty to good. Vaughn again. Uh, strikeout percentage, about the same, Eloy 33 and a third, 
compared to Vaughn's 32.1 strikeout percentage. Uh, Babip, batting average of balls in play. Eloy, 389 in his first 30 plate appearances back in uh, 2019, I believe, right? And uh, Babip for Andrew Vaughn. Not having the best luck right now. Two thirty-one Babbitt for Andrew Vaughn, and finally uh, the the isolated zero point zero zero or point zero 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 for Eloy in his first thirty plate appearances, and point oh nine one ISO for Andrew Vaughn. So there we have it. I mean, Eloy is an elite hitter, but as you see, when these guys come up, even if they have the the best tool uh, at their disposal with the bat, they struggle. You know, it's Major League Baseball, and it happens, so I would not freak out, and I don't think there are many people are, but I think that was a comforting comparison I saw. That was from at everything underscore socks on Twitter, uh, and thank you for James Fox for retweeting. That's for us to see and us to tell you about. So I think that's pretty encouraging, no? Very much so. I was encouraged by his 400 on-base percentage when he was getting benched by four Nick Williams before that, and so, yeah, the guy, he'll be a hitter. I don't know if he'll be Eloy. Um, but Aloy struggled initially, but I felt good that Aloy would do the things necessary to become the hitter that he's become because he had a nice representative amount of at bats down in the minor leagues with some struggles, with some success, you know, had the ebbs and flows. You can't say the same about Andrew Vaughn. So I don't know if struggles, especially in the major leagues, will crush the kid and he'll need to go back down to the alternate site or and or a minor league stint later in the year um it's just it's just very curious that he didn't get the at-bats down in the minor leagues that he needed before he got up here that's why we were really uh hesitant to bring him up this year because we know that every year there's a new rookie that comes up and he's touted and then he struggles and the last thing any organization wants to do is to send them back down. You only want to bring them up when they're going to stay permanently. And I can see in the future, especially because he didn't have enough minor league at bats, the White Sox just like, you know what? This is not working out. He's staying the same player. He's not adjusting. He's taking these personally and he's not getting his mind out of his own. I mean, getting himself out of his own way. We're going to send him down in the minor leagues, maybe double or triple A to get some positive reinforcement, see some pitches go over the fence, see some balls hit hard to the gap, and then reassess if he's ready for a September call up, bring him back up. I could see that very, very vividly. I knew when Aloy was up, multiple, uh, multiple reasons why he wasn't going down because he had those bats in minor leagues and because he signed that long term extension. With this guy, he didn't sign that long-term extension, and kudos to the White Sox for not playing games with him. But I don't think he's ready as yet, but he's having some good success at the major leagues. That is, there's a, a smidge of positivity there, but I would like for the kid to get a little bit better at hitting right now. His defense, undefeated. You'll hear from Uncle Pete for the first time here next on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar on this show for quite a while now, and I got to tell you, they've done wonders for me in my personal life. See, I gave up sweets and 
sugars and candies and cookies about a couple months back, and I've been using Built Bars to supplement those cravings because let's face it, for people like me, I'm never going to totally kick the sweet cravings. They've gone down considerably since giving up those bad foods, but I've been supplementing with Built Bars, and they've really helped me keep me on track with my I don't want to call it a diet, but sort of like a lifestyle change. I've lost about 10 pounds over the past, you know, month and a half or so. Just, you know, eating the same foods I normally eat, but instead of those cookies and cakes and milkshakes, I just switch those out for Built Bars. And I'll sometimes have two Built Bars a day. I'll keep one in my desk at work, as I said before on the show. For the 3 o'clock hour or so, you need that little energy boost, right? So I keep one there at work, and then I have one after my dinner for a nice sweet dessert. And, you know, my favorite flavors... Coconut always right up there. The German chocolate, I think, is really becoming my favorite flavor as well. I just placed my latest order for my newest batch of Built Bars, my 24-pack of Built Bars. Uh, I ordered my favorites, Coconut. I ordered Cookies and Cream, which is another new one I tried when I ordered my last batch, and it's really good. The Cookies and Cream, by the way, 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And I also am trying out a couple new flavors. I'm trying out salted caramel and peanut butter brownie. So I'm looking forward to those. Peanut butter brownie by far has the most grams of protein in the Built Bars, 19 grams of protein. So that'll really fill you up with only 5 grams of sugar. Do what I did. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. LOCKED15 is the promo code. So important. I've ordered before, and I forgot to put in our own promo code, so don't be like me. Be smarter than me, would you? Go to BuiltBar.com now. Enter promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over. Baseball is just getting going here. You've still got the NBA going. Lots of good opportunities to make some money in the NHL as well every single night at Bet Online. As a matter of fact, Herbie, Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, and other types of entertainment. Yeah, I'm looking right now at the Hot dog eating contest. BetOnline.ag has an entertainment section for the competitive eating. Right now, they have a bet up for Joey Chestnut eating over or under 74 and a half <laughs> hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest. Whew, friends. Um, I, I love that. Should we do some more research on that one before we? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know his records like in the 70s, yeah. but he's getting older. Like, I think he he got his 75 is the last year's um, hot dog eating championship. So he's got that record already. I don't know if there's impetus. He keeps on breaking his own record. I don't know if there's impetus for him to keep on doing it because there's no one close to him. So he's battling against himself. To eat 75 hot dogs in one sitting is ridiculous. So I'm going under on that one. I'm going under for Joey Chestnut, 74 and a half hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest oh boy yeah i'll have to do some more research here before i make my decision and plunk my money down at betonline.ag but they've got everything you can bet on uh, who's going to win the 2024 election already you can place a futures bet on that if you're into the markets you can bet on how well or how poor the market's going to do on a daily basis there's a lot of interesting things and lots of different ways to make money at betonline.ag the odds are updated in real time and there's props on almost anything you can imagine as i just said it's got you covered for the news scores and odds and betonline is 
is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up, best of all. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and do not forget our promo code Locked On when you sign up and get your 50% bonus at Bet Online. Be a waiver wire winner with the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Lockdown Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herb, voicemail time. We've got a couple, and uh, let's hear from our guy, Uncle Pete first, but first and foremost, how can the folks get us a voicemail to be heard on the show? If you're in the heat of the moment watching a White Sox game at Fenway this weekend, feel free to touch base with us and give us a shot on the voicemail, which is 312-566-8727. That is Harold Baines, A.J. Brzezinski, Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, Vincent Jackson, which you call Bo, Carlton Fisk, and Tim Anderson. Yeah. This week, there's an early game on Monday, that bullshit Patriots Day game where it's like 10 o'clock <laughs> oh, here. Oh, Ugh. God. Leave us a voice message uh, how much you hate that that damn thing and those ugly-ass yellow uniforms. I know, Tanny, you probably love those uh, Boston yellow uniforms. No, I think they're garbage. No, I'm a traditionalist, man. Like, okay. You know, um, yeah, but... Boston Red Sox classic uniform right there. I think you know. I, I like the red, the red top. Got them red tops. I like those. You know what I mean. <laughs> I like the, I like the blue tops. You know uh, when they go alternate. But I think yeah, the Boston. I don't know. It, maybe it's a thing if you're if you're from Boston. Maybe that's something that you like. But I don't see those are irredeemable. Those I don't. You know I didn't see too many people favoring those. Um, but uh, all right, let's hear what Uncle Pete has to say. This one looks like it's uh, short and sweet. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, Uncle Pete here. It's been a while, shit dicks. Oh. Did you see what Mercedes did to that ball tonight? He hit the absolute motherfucking dog snot out of it. Have you ever seen a ball hit that far? Jesus Christ. This guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> Talk soon. Well said, Uncle Pete. Thank you for your contributions to the show. Uh, did not sound like uh, I thought, but the, the, the verbiage was definitely there. He didn't sound like uh, Vincent. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but we that's definitely on brand for Uncle Pete. So, uh let, let's check in here. It was good to hear from Uncle Pete. Thank you uh for he came in the back channel here as he's one to do. Um and uh and he did the un- unconventional way, but you can email us lockedonsocks@gmail.com for the mailbag, which I think Monday on Monday show will be the next show we do. We'll recap the Boston Red Sox series and uh Oh, it's going to be a tough one here, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll get to some of your emails too. But uh, wrapping up the show here is a caller who uh, hit us up the other night, but we didn't have a room to take his call. Here's Steve from Arlington Heights. Hey, guys. Steve from Arlington Heights. Another frustrating loss today. Unfortunately, the consistency and poor fielding, poor decision-making uh, while fielding hurt them. Uh, I'm sad to say it looks like Andrew Vaughn's the most consistent fielder out there. We do have uh, some hope there in the uh, pitching arena, but maybe a weakness there in Lance Lynn is that he's too competitive. Why not walk Ramirez in that situation? At least he's not trotting around the bases with a lead home run. And uh, that's one of the things I always admired about uh, John Lester. He knew when it was time to walk somebody and take the next guy on, and that wasn't the time for Lynn to take him on on a 3-2 count with a fastball. But anyway, hope to hear better news from Boston. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. 
thank you, Steve from Arlington Heights, checking in. I appreciate that. That's a it's a valid point there. I w- I would say this about the uh, Jose Ramirez at bat. You know, Lance Lynn's pretty much at the end of his rope there in that spot. And also, let's not forget they've got another left-handed stick in Eddie Rosario, mm-hmm. a, a Sox killer, right yep. behind him there. So you got to, you know, I think sometimes you you try to, you know, just deal with the guy in front of you and not try to, you know. Although, you know, sometimes those guys, they just beat you. Jose Ramirez, like we said, top-tier hitter in the American League, and you you prefer not to have those guys beat you, but he's got a pretty damn good one behind him in Eddie Rosario. Yeah, if I have to be beat by either one of those guys, it's Jose Ramirez because I know Eddie Rosario can beat us. I know Jose Ramirez can too, but I currently have Jose Ramirez up the bat to put him on, to put another guy, put the – tying run in scoring position i'm good on yeah and eddie rosario is gonna wear the white Sox out until he retires so he already um, hit a home run in this series rosario did and so far to that point ramirez did not so yeah and so yeah there's there's no putting him on and i understand what you're saying steve and if it was anybody else if it was fran mil reyes hitting there i'm like yeah let's do it let's yeah. do, definitely do that shit but eddie rosario is different it's there, there's uh, Jordan rules and there's the Eddie Rosario rules. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. The Eddie Rosario is looking like the old, uh, you know, uh, Jason Kubel scouting report. So the Michael Kadire scouting report from back in the day where it's just, okay, let's open up the binder. Oh, the page is blank. Just throw up four fingers and put them on. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, wrapping it up here. So tonight, Dylan Cease back uh, from the – what do you call that list? I had it written down here. It's not. It's the health and safety protocol list. He was on it for a little bit. Um, at following, I don't know how. I don't know how he got on it. I don't know if he was feeling some tummy troubles after uh, Carlos Rodon had some the other night. But he was on the list briefly. But he's good enough to make the start tonight at Fenway Park in Boston. The Red Sox are, are just on a tear right now. They are killing it. They're in first place in the AL East. As a matter of fact, they are. Nine and four right now, and tomorrow tonight I should say uh, against the White Sox and Dylan Cease, you will see going for the Red Sox Nick Pavetta, who's two and zero with a three two seven earned run average. So it's going to be a tough series this weekend for the Sox, but you know you'll have Giolito going on the back end, and uh, it should be fun. So I'm not feeling good about it though, but uh, I'm excited to see Dylan Cease out there. Anytime Dylan Cease is out there, you're waiting for him to take that next step and have the breakthrough. And who knows, tonight could be the night. I think so. I I don't know who Nick Pavetta is. I've heard of the name. I'm two and zero. Congratulations to him. But I well, expect- but Nick Pavetta is since he won his last start, he became the first Red Sox starter since Tim Wakefield in 1995 to win his first four starts with the club. So he had two relief appearances against the Sox in 2019, uh, but this is his first career start against the Sox. So we've seen him, but just not in a in a long stretch before. Okay, so Righty. it's Pavetta, it's Pavetta, and then I don't see a guy listed for Saturday's game. Yeah, and then Perez, I who I believe is a lefty, and then Nathan Avaldi will close out the series. If the White Sox don't get a split here, I'm gonna be very disappointed. I'm looking more of a three for four. Ooh. I don't care. I don't care if Boston's been on fire. Baltimore went in there and did work for some that they lost the first three games and they won nine in a row. And before they lost today in a walk, I think a walk off loss to uh, the Minnesota twins, but I don't think Boston's any good. This is purely anecdotal, but I feel like no matter how good or bad the Sox are, they, they usually play well in Fenway. Yeah, and they always exactly. surprise you there. So that's totally anecdotal. And it, that means nothing to this team, but and we have Timmy back. Oh, I yeah. feel when we have Tim Anderson back, even though it didn't show up today, our offense is going to be at a premium. And so 
yeah, there's no there's no stopping the White Sox. We have uh except for Lance Lynn, we have two our two good pitchers going and and Carlos Rodon will finish that game off on Monday versus Nathan Avaldi just off of that fresh uh, no-hitter. So, yeah, I'm very, very confident the White Sox will look really good out there in Boston. And interesting to note here for you uh, for you guys listening locally, they have it listed as a uh, okay, 7.10 Eastern start. Okay, good. I was worried there for a second that it was 7 o'clock Central time. Okay, good. That's the one benefit of the Sox playing on the East Coast is the early uh, time the game ends. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, that's all I got here for the show. Thanks for another exciting week. Man, I am tired after staying up super late uh, after this Rodon no-hitter. So I am going to rest. I've got – I just purchased MLB The Show 21. Uh, it's going to mm. download. I bought it early. That's right. Humble brag. Um, I bought it early so I can have it waiting for me uh, when I wake up tomorrow, or I should say t- today when I wake up. I'll be playing it as you're listening to this. The Cubs have a day game. Uh, my kid's off of school for some reason. I don't know why, but... Uh, Institute <laughs> day? Casimir Pulaski? It's, it's always something some like that, and so she's going to be around the house, but I said, Daddy's going to play his video games, okay? You can play Roblox, you can play Minecraft, but Daddy's going to play his video games, okay? So don't deprive me of that. So she's cool with it. So that's my plan, and hopefully there's no rain and that Cubs game doesn't get banged, and uh, I'll be sitting here in my basement while my wife is working and I'll be playing video games all damn day and I'm looking forward to it. You're working too. You're in the lab getting your game right. That's work. I, I believe Putting it is in such. Work, yeah. yeah. I did not get the MLB The Show. I don't know if I'm going to get it. You're scared of me. I get it. You know, the dog and such. But Well, you just bought the other people, one. You're having fun with the other one. You just bought that not too long ago, so I get it. Yeah, and so I just think like if once I hear people talking and chirping on on twitter like man i'm doing this that and the other and then it'll drive me to go and get it and set some people straight because i was <laughs> top 500 i don't know if you guys know this top 500 player in uh, mlb the show 21 yeah it's in your twitter bio dude we know um, Goddamn right. <laughs> yeah man so uh you hope you guys have a good weekend that's all i got all right that's chris Tannehill. follow him at chris Tannehill on twitter me my name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me, Eckernwall23, on Twitter. And our show is called Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We released a YouTube video last night, our full episode. You should go and watch it and watch me fuck up my own name. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. I thought it was funny. I thought it was appropriate. No, I, it's funny. It's good. <laughs> I am Connor McDoink. Hey, you could be a lot worse than being put in Connor McDoink's category there. Scoreboard update. Two o'clock, and from the Chicago Wolves Update Studio, I'm Connor McDoing. McKnight joins so. me too. Man's calling Major League Baseball games, getting balls signed for him. That's awesome. <laughs> White Sox with a classy move right there for my guy. That Connor was McDoing. really nice. Yeah. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us this weekend. It, uh, this week, it's been an awesome week, of course, with the Carlos Rodon no hitter, and you guys' listenership has propelled us, of course, the top five this whole time, pretty much that. We have been doing shows since last year, so thank you. We appreciate it, and keep on supporting us. And if you have a friend that's a White Sox fan that hasn't jumped on, tell him to give us a shot, and if he or she likes it, subscribe. Yeah, that's right. Thank- top top five, dead or alive, like my man Cool G Rap used to say. And I apologize for my marble mouth on this uh, entire broadcast here, as I am entire, you know, really tired. So, oh, me too. I'm. <laughs> I took that shot today, so I feel a little rundown. I'm not feeling sick, okay. but I'm feeling like lethargic. I'm like, Ugh. so the shot is hitting me, and the the little thing uh, on my arm, the prick on my arm, is hurting. <laughs> a little prick that's, on my arm that, is that's hurting. What, that's what Courtney calls you. <laughs> little, 
<laughs> little prick, yeah. <laughs> prick on her arm, yeah. So, all right, that's it. Let's let's try to say goodbye here uh, from from U.S. Cellular Field. Good night, friends. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs> Don't talk to me on the treadmill, friends. Yes. Good night from Locked On Socks. <laughs>